This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrack, and I have to tell you about the first time that I met the beautiful, brainy, and friendly broadcaster with the thousand-watt smile, Pooja Handa. We met at the Diwali 2023 Festival of Lights UHN Foundation Gala, and she was emceeing that with CHFI co-host Gurdeep Alawalia. And when I saw her for the first time, she just looked like a star. Like, honestly, that's how I would have to describe you, like a movie star. And I've always been fascinated by her life and career. And I mentioned that evening that I'd love to have her on the show. And so here we are. Sometimes it's as simple as that, right? Yeah. You, you got to be a make it happen kind of person, which I know you know all about. Before we meet Pooja, let me tell you a little bit more about her. Torontonians have come to know award-winning broadcaster Pooja Hunda as one of the familiar faces greeting them every morning to help start their day with a smile. She has spent almost 20 years, which is shocking because she's so young, (laughs) working on air in television as a news anchor, reporter, and TV host, covering everything from politics to entertainment, as well as contributing to major events taking place in Toronto. She's hosted broadcasts for the annual Pride Parade and Caribbean Carnival Grand Parade, and she's reported from the red carpet at TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. Before joining the Pooja and Gurdeep show on 98.1, one CHFI. Pooja also worked as a morning show host on CP24 Breakfast. And she, at the time, also made regular appearances on CTV's The Social and The Marilyn Dennis Show. Her career in television started as a traffic reporter and entertainment host for Global Morning News in Toronto in 2003. Pooja's love of performing started at a young age at 18 years old. She auditioned and was accepted into the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City. And then she decided to move back to Toronto to pursue her career in broadcasting. She holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Women's Studies from New York University and a diploma in broadcast journalism from Seneca College. As a second-generation South Asian Canadian, Pooja has been very active in her community and has made giving back a complete priority. She's worked with several charities and continues to mentor young women, which I love, in their career paths. Pooja has also used her platform to help normalize infertility after sharing her struggles with starting a family. When Pooja's not working, you may find her at a Raptors or a Leafs game. She loves trying out new recipes, traveling and entertaining in her spare time. Pooja lives with her husband, Paul, and two children in Toronto. You can also watch Pooja regularly on Breakfast Television, City Line, and The Shopping Channel. Pooja Handa, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. So delighted to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Judy. And I felt a real sense of warmth the first time I met you. And so it was like, yeah, I want to come on your show. I want more of this. <laughs> love that. I love, Pooja, that you've always loved performing, even as a little girl. And long before your career as a broadcast journalist, you always wanted to be an actor. And as mentioned, at 18, you auditioned and got accepted at AMDA, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And I smile when I say that because my daughter is in New York doing a very similar thing. And you ultimately realized as a teenager in the Big Apple that it was pretty overwhelming, not to mention expensive. And you were young. You were 18 years old at the time. 
And you decided, I think very wisely, to marry your love of performing with broadcast journalism. And so you came back to Toronto to pursue your education. And before we get to this dazzling broadcast career that you have, I just want to ask about your days at Cawthra Park Secondary (laughs) School and Arts High School in Mississauga. You always dreamed of being an actress since you were a child. So I'm just wondering, what is your first memory of performing on a stage? And what do you love about performing? Oh, wow. So I was one of those kids who just was performing all the time. So I would put on like little plays at home. If we got together with family or family friends, I would do impressions of my aunties and uncles and (laughs) they all would just like circle around me and clap and laugh. And so (laughs) I was just always that kid. And this is going to be shocking to you, but I played outside. And when I say played, I mean playing house. Okay. Which to me was acting. But anyway, I was playing house until grade nine, grade nine, you're 14 in grade nine. So for me, it's just, and I think to this day, I'm still playing. (laughs) I I love like performing for me is just, it's so much fun. And it's different in broadcast, of course, because you're being yourself, but there is always this sense of performance as well, because you know, you're on air and there's sort of this adrenaline part to it. But with acting, you get to take on sort of any character. And that part was always really exciting to me as well. I think in the end, I ended up exactly where I wanted to be because I wasn't as good. Wasn't that great of an actress? Uh, I think I'm just much better at being myself is, is really where, where it ended up and probably for the best. But acting was the first love. I do think that it's one of those things that it doesn't have to be over. You know, I'm almost 45. I was going to ask you. Yes. I was going to ask you if you still have that acting bug in you that yeah. occasionally pops out and says, hey, I'd love to actually do this and go to this audition as an actor. Yeah. And in fairness to the timing of things, sometimes I think you can do all the right things at the wrong time. And I think me being in New York at 18, knowing nothing about the real world or what it was like, you know, growing up in a pretty sheltered life in Mississauga, you know, and then moving to the Big Apple and understanding that, Things were very different there. They weren't the kindest, nicest people back then. They're much nicer now. And also on top of that, it was so expensive. And my parents just did not have the money to be able to support me there. I couldn't work legally. So I couldn't even make my own way there because I was on a student visa. So there were a lot of things at play that were really a good, healthy dose of the real world. And that these are the things at 18, I had to start to learn that just because you want something and just because you think, okay, this is my dream maybe the timing isn't right because even people who looked like me, I didn't see them. Not in mainstream media, not in the movies, not on TV, not in the roles I wanted. So I think maybe the timing was off. So at 45... Maybe the timing's right now. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. (laughs) That's so cool. I know you're a very beloved and respected broadcast journalist. and, And it's so fascinating that you came back to Toronto and you got really busy. First, you attended York University for Women's Studies, followed by attending Seneca College for Broadcast Journalism. And this was really the perfect marriage because suddenly you're combining your love of performing with being on camera and being a journalist and using, because I I sense you're always a very good student as well. You're very bright. You've got the whole package. But what mostly fascinated me about studying your whole career is that it's unheard of 
to get a gig in a major market like Toronto right off the bat, most young journalists have to go to Barrie or Geraldton, Ontario or Belleville or Alberta to get their first broadcasting gig. But that's not what happened to you. You were actually working at three different places in Toronto. You interned at a radio station. You also had a behind the scenes gig at Global and you were working at Rogers. And I know that Rogers plays very well. I did that as well. (laughs) And your internship at Global News ultimately developed into a paid position, but it's, it's what you did to make that happen. So you did it all. You answered phones, became a screen operator, worked in the graphics department, wrote news copy. What are your memories of that thing called interning? I think a lot of kids, they don't even know what we did yes. as interns, right? For free, too. For free, uh, you know, totally, and, yeah. And, and it was a wonderful time in terms of being a sponge and just learning everything. How does a newsroom work? You know, who does what? How does everything sort of come together? So I really appreciate my days as an intern. But what I knew from what I learned in school was that often what happens is you get an intern internship. You're lucky enough to be there. And then nobody trusts you to do anything because you're this kid in school. So you Mm -hmm. just sit in a corner and you watch. And I was determined to not let that happen because I was like, listen, if I'm going to make an impression and hopefully get a job out of this internship, I have to do more than just sit there. So I was interning with a woman named Christine Crosby, who has sadly since passed. She was a health reporter and I just loved watching her. And so I wanted to intern with her and I would wait for her to come in, but I'd get in before her and I'd scour the newspapers and a lot of the magazine articles back then not so much on the internet that early. And I would just sort of highlight some stories, some health stories that I thought maybe, you know, would be worthy of her newscast that day. And maybe very presumptuous on my part, because again, I'm just a kid right out of school. What do I know about anything? By no means was I trying to tell her what she should do, but I just wanted to get an idea of her new sense and the way she gathers, you know, stories and what she thinks is a good story, what makes for a good story for air and what doesn't. So I approached it from that angle. And so she came in and she already had like a bunch of stories on her desk and she was impressed by that and she would go to record something in the studio and on her way out she'd say oh my my desk is so messy and while she was gone I cleaned her desk Uh, you know or she'd say oh look I've got all these books here they're just filled with recipes I do I do a recipe a healthy recipe every Friday (laughs) ignore the books I get books all the time so then I put all the books in alphabetical order I went through them and (laughs) found recipes that were healthy and I earmarked them and put a little note as like you know this is a zucchini muffin recipe and (laughs) kind of just did my own thing so that I was busy the whole time I was there and By the time my internship ended, she walked into her boss's office and she said, I know you don't have anything. I know there are no jobs in this business, but you need to hire Pooja because this this girl's got the fire in the belly. She wants it. She's gone above and beyond. I haven't asked her to do a thing (laughs) and she has really shown up. So he hired me immediately. So I got my first job before even graduating. Yes. At Global, behind the scenes. And then my next goal was, well, how do I get on air? Get on air. And yeah. I love this story because you were literally playing the teleprompter for people, you know, helping them read their scripts. And all of a sudden, this on-air position came up. 
and you auditioned for it. And then you thought it didn't go very well. I don't know what I'm doing and it's never going to happen. So you took one of your other three interning jobs at Rogers and they offered you a paid position. And you said to Global, well, I got hired and they went, wait, and what happened? <laughs> yeah, they said, before you take that other job, they're seriously considering you for a brand new morning show on Global in Toronto. Oh. And I was like, there's no way. I had an interview. It lasted five minutes. Like, whose interview lasts five minutes? They were, they were definitely not interested in me. They already knew who they were going to hire. I worked there, so they had to give me a, an interview. And, and I get it. But I think what happened was, is the person that they offered the job to turned it down because they got another job. And so that person is none other than Dina Pugliese. We, no way. Yes. You worked in the library with 20 years ago. You yes. worked in the in the library. No way. That's yes. so crazy. We yeah, they're... Oh and, my. And we all knew that she was going to be the choice for the morning show because she was so fabulous and she deserved it. She earned it. She's worked there much longer than I had. She had the experience. And anytime anybody met her said, why are you not on TV? You were amazing. But she got a multiple job offers. So she was out of there and <laughs> they were two weeks to launch with no person to do this traffic job. And I guess they realized, well, if Rogers is paying her and has hired her, maybe we should look at her tape. Maybe there is something there. And um, luckily, while wow. I was there as both an intern and as an editorial assistant working behind the scenes, I was showing my tape to other people on air and getting feedback and how can I be better and what can I do better? So I luckily was at a place where I think some of the people who worked at Global could vouch for me and say, you know, she needs some work. She's very green. She's right <laughs> at school. She's not going to be perfect, but with some time, she can be good. Uh, so I always tell that part of the story because I think people sometimes forget it never just happens like so this, true. right? So it, I was in the right place at the right time. Yes. Somebody said no. And that's how the door opened for me. People had to help me to get there. Um, yes. There were a lot of things at play, but when that opportunity came, I was ready. Oh, that story is such a great blueprint. You're so right. And it kind of reminds me of the person being the swing or the alternate on Broadway. And then someone gets sick and you get to go on and that's how you get to go in the touring company or yes. get to be part of the company. So it's so true, but you got to do the work and you did the work. You came to work an hour early. You were taking all the clippings from the newspaper and putting them on your mentor, your boss's desk. You did all of those things. And so you were an obvious person, but still what a trip to not have to go to Barry or to go anywhere else. So what was that first day like on air? And was it as a traffic reporter or entertainment or both? What do you remember about that first day, that outfit, that whole thing? Oh, goodness. Well, first they told me I got to go to hair and makeup. And I was like, someone's going to do my hair and makeup? And like, that was the most exciting thing because, you know, you think TV's so glamorous, but that's the part that you're most excited about. Yes. Uh, and then they did my hair and makeup and I was like, I look like this? <laughs> because, you know, I was never capable of doing my own hair and makeup that well. But, you know, having professionals do it, you look great. So I, I felt great. So I felt really confident in that way. Yes. But I was shaking in my boots. I told a little white lie that I knew the roads really well in Toronto, um, <laughs> which I didn't. But what I did is 
in the time that I had, the two weeks in the lead up to getting the job is I memorized all of the routes and the exits along all the major highways on my police map book. (laughs) (laughs) So that if I ever had to give a traffic report, I would at least know the exits and, you know, the roads and know alternate routes and things that I could ad lib if I needed to, because there was no script. You had to ad lib. And I listened to a lot of 680 news and heard the way they were doing their traffic reports. And I'd practice and, you know, in front of a mirror and with the brush, with the brush in front of the whole thing. And and that continued, I would say for a good three months of just being scared every time they came to me, but still, you know, I, I had been on air at Rogers. I'd been on air in college. So I felt like I was comfortable with that part. What I wasn't comfortable with was feeling like I'm 24 and nobody's going to believe anything that comes out of my mouth (laughs) and I'm faking it till I make it. And I think the confidence part of, you know what? No, you do know this. You did the work, you studied, you've been preparing your entire school life, your, that career to get to this point. So once I got into the confidence of it, it was great. And then that led to more segments and that included entertainment. And then I got my own segment called the pH factor that got sponsored. So I was bringing in money to the show, which is always a good thing for, you know, the executives. (laughs) I love that the Pooja Honda pH factor show was your own brainchild. What was that? Like, was that feel good stories, happy, good news stories and entertainment? Like, what did you do in that segment? We sort of just picked out some entertainment stories. And when I say we, I mean, I, because in order for me to get the segment, I had to do everything. So I was like, don't worry, I'll find it. Uh, you know, I'll get you the edit points. I'll tell you know, I'll write it. I'll do the whole thing. Um, just please let me do this. Cause I want to show you that I can do more. And I think that's sort of what I learned in this business is that it's one thing to tell people what you can do. And it's another thing to show people. So yes. I knew if I could just show them that that could turn into something. So the more I did entertainment, the more they saw that I had a personality and that my chemistry with the other on-air people, was really what made the segment sort of shine. And so that's when they built this segment with, you know, a branding and and whatnot to make it legitimate. But I think that was sort of the first step into, okay, she can do a lot more than traffic. Absolutely. You also have a huge likability factor, the LF factor, like it's unmistakable. And that's part of it too. You're very real. You're very approachable and you're like the best friend or the girl next door. (laughs) And, and I think people really love that. And listen, I think it stood you in great stead. So you get your job at Global. You're doing great. Are you getting noticed yet? Is, is this around the time where people are starting to little ripple when you go outside that they, they're like, I know you, you're on TV. Well, yes and no. People would say things like, hey, it's Nalini Sharma. And I'd be like, no, <laughs> it's not. But hi, or hi, And I'd be like, no, Far Nasser. So I got mistaken for a lot of other people who kind of look like me yeah. for a long time. It took a, it takes a very long time for people to have sort of that, that name recognition. But my family and my family <sighs> friend circle, I mean, they were just thrilled oh. and over the moon and they told everybody and so everybody was watching Global Morning and I think it was really just my family <laughs> who was writing in because they were all watching. Um, so that was fantastic. But I also knew that it was just a really great place to start a career because I had a chance to yes. make a lot of mistakes and be really green on air and get better and really get to a place where I was ready for that next step 
which was CB24. CB24. And that's like, then already we're in the big time. You get this unbelievable gig. So you've done all this, you've done global morning news and, and all this stuff. And this big break comes when you join CP24 as an anchor in 2008. And then you hosted CP24 Breakfast on Saturdays and Sundays. And I should also just tell our listeners that you're also getting up really early in the morning. This is around the time that the 3 a.m. started, right? Like yep. this was the early mornings. And I just have to stop you there for a minute and ask, how have you done that? How are you able to get up that early and have the discipline to go to bed at 8 p.m. at night? Like that's that's hard. You're a young person and you probably wanted to go and party and do different things. And what gave you the focus and the discipline just to say, no, I need my beauty sleep at 8 p.m.? need to get up early and be ready for my day. Well, it probably helps that you're 25, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're 25, you don't need your sleep. Yeah, need sleep. sleep. Um, so, true. you know, maybe it was easier to function back then. Not so much now. Now it's, you know, <laughs> if I don't sleep, you will hear it. But I think for me, it was just that I knew I was building something and I knew that it was such a tough business to get into. And I w- had the privilege of being in people's living rooms every morning. And I didn't take it for granted. I really just was just so happy to be there and to have a seat at the table, anything, any seat at that point. So I think for me, it just was, these are the sacrifices you make. And, you know, like I'll worry about a life and going out and (laughs) family and all all those things later. Um, But I also was really lucky that I had so many wonderful mentors and people that I just really looked up to who had families who were in the business and they were doing it. They were somehow juggling it. And they were also waking up at three o'clock in the morning. And I think when I saw it was possible that, you know, if they can do it, maybe I can do it one day too. I think that sort of just gave me that sense of peace that one day it will just, will all work itself out and it will be okay. Absolutely. How would you describe those early years or even just that first, you remember the audition for CB24? That's pretty exciting stuff. That's already the big time. Well, so luckily I, I met with one of the people who was doing the hiring before I had to do any sort of auditioning. I guess I didn't really even audition now that I think about it. They had watched <laughs> me on Global and wanted to meet. So we met for a coffee kind of in secret and we met in the <laughs> chapters and, you know, we're having our discussion. We're wrapping it up. It went really well. And as we're wrapping it up, somebody walked by and went, oh, hey, are you Pooja from Global? And I said, yes, I love watching. I love the pH factor. And I said, oh, thanks. Uh, Thanks for watching. And and they walked away. And the gentleman who was interviewing me goes, really? Oh, nice plant. How much did you pay him to come and do that? And I was like, I swear. swear Um, That's fabulous. That gentleman sealed the deal that, okay, this is somebody who people like, obviously, where they're stopping her to tell her that they like her segment. And so I didn't really even need to audition. I think sort of what they were seeing on air at Global was my audition tape, if you will. And they just sort of had to meet with me to go over what this was. And at the time, they were rebuilding CP24 and from the ground up. So they were trying to turn it into a breaking news station. And they basically said, look, we're going to need you to do everything. You are going to do weather. You're going to do traffic. You're going to report. You're going to anchor. You're going to host. So are you ready? Is this something that you think <laughs> You're you up can for. do? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was so exciting to me to build something from the ground up. Wow. Is there an epiphany from that time or a moment that stands out where you just went, wow, it doesn't get any better than this? 
ah, I was probably too busy being really scared of my mind. <laughs> because as much as I, you know, had gained some experience, it was five years on air in Toronto at Global. I think that anytime you're taking on something new, like I had never anchored the news before. Wow. I had never reported before. I had done stories. I'd packaged stories for other reporters, but I hadn't been the one to actually be in front of it. So I think all those things, trying something new for the first time for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to watch you do is yes. so nerve wracking, but there was also something really exciting about it. And people talk about being uncomfortable. I actually really have realized about myself. I love <laughs> the idea of being uncomfortable and scared because wow, as, as that's good. Yeah, as uncomfortable <laughs> as it is, when you actually, I don't know, somehow accomplish the goal that you set out, there is a satisfaction like no other because you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I worked really hard. I made it happen and it was okay. And I'm going to get better from here. And, and so awesome. it's a constant pep talk, but there is something <laughs> really gratifying about setting your mind to something and then actually making it happen. So cool. Did you like the jacket look or were you like Farrah Nasser who's been on this show who said no jacket, just dresses? <laughs> you know, they didn't like that blazer look. They were very much into like, we don't want to be that newscast. We want to make sure that it's a little bit more casual. So yeah, I wore the dresses. And I remember the first time I wore something sleeveless on air and somebody wrote in and said, oh, she's showing her shoulders. Oh my God. And I was like, oh. So I became very self-conscious of my shoulders suddenly. And then I was like, just shoulders. Wow. Exactly. You know, uh, and then you become uber aware that especially in that medium, that so much of how you communicate is, yes. is lost. Like people are looking at so much more than they're actually digesting. So it's very yes. important that, you know, you kind of figure out that whole balance. The you don't vibe, want to be a distraction, right? <laughs> but you want to be yourself. I mean, people wear sleeveless outfits. It's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. What about crop tops nowadays oh, and off the shoulder? And oh my God. <laughs> I wouldn't have dared back then. <laughs> Another very cool career breakthrough for you, Pujo, is when you and Gurdeep were named the new co-hosts of 98.1 CHFI's morning show in Toronto. You came out of a cleverly disguised, larger-than-life wrapped gift with a bow, and that would be the start of your morning show on CHFI from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. on weekdays. And of course, this also included a weekly appearance on breakfast television and many more things, appearances on the Marilyn Dennis show and on the social and so many cool things. Can you tell us about the big reveal that was posted on national television of this very exciting announcement? Like, I felt the excitement just watching those clips, you know, don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break more with Pooja Handa when we come back, back in a moment. This next segment is brought to you by silveringbeauty.com. If you're one of the growing number of modern women showing off your silver streaks, you know there are challenges beyond the awkward grow-out stage. Beauty entrepreneur and silver sister Alexis Asianus has developed the first line of products formulated specifically for silvering hair. You'll find products that add shine and volume, but will never discolor or build up on silvers. She also has a modern way to debrass and brighten hair that puts you in control. And she has solutions for thinning hair and eyebrows too. Learn more by visiting silveringbeauty.com. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. 
Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Hi, we are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740. And right before the break, I was asking you, Pooja, but when you and Gurdeep were named the new co-hosts of the 98.1 CHFI Morning Show, what was that big reveal like? It was so fun. And it was so nice of the folks at CHFI to give us sort of that warm welcome to do a big thing to be able to introduce us. And my biggest fear was they were going to go three, two, one. We were going to pop out of the box and be like, who? Who are the new hosts? (laughs) Um, Luckily, that didn't happen. They did know who we were, which was awesome. But we were in this box that they actually made. You know, they constructed themselves in the dark. So Pradeep and I are in this box and we asked for breathing holes because that's important. Minor consideration. Minor detail. Uh, We were in there for half an hour and we just had flashlights that we would put underneath our faces to be able to communicate. But it was memorable because it was, again so scary. You know, you leave a career in television where I felt like I got to a place where I really felt comfortable and I didn't have to think about it. And it was easy breezy. I was very much in my comfort zone doing virtually everything in TV. And to now make the switch from TV to radio, which, you know, I interned at a radio station, but did I know anything about radio? No. (laughs) So going back to that really scary place of, I can't believe that after 20 years of an established career, I'm going to do something risky and brand new and something I know nothing about. And I'm going to start all over. And I have to just sort of believe in myself and believe in my co-hosts that we were meant to do this. And that part was really exciting. Wow. That's so fabulous. So now you you find out you're going to be on the radio every morning as a co-host. You're also going to be on breakfast television and on the Marilyn Dennis show, which is not on the air anymore, but on that show. But I thought it was so cool when I read that you were also invited to be part of the social, which is one of my favorite shows. All of the hosts of that show practically have been on this show. Do you have a favorite memory of being on the social? What do you love about doing that show? So the wonderful thing is, so when I did The Social and Marilyn Dennis, I was still at CP24 at the time. Mm. And what it was, was I was starting to get to a place where I wanted more and I wanted to do other things. And there just wasn't anything left to do. <laughs> so we had some discussions and I, I spoke with some people on the other side, outside of news. And I said, look, this is really where I want to be in the lifestyle space. And is there something we can do here? And they were wonderful and said, how about filling in? Would, would you want to fill in on, on the social? And I was like, absolutely. And knowing Melissa Grello, one of the hosts of the social who used to have the job that I then had at CB24 Breakfast, she Uh was always such a wonderful, amazing friend and colleague and just so encouraging and motivating. So I knew 
stepping into that role with her there, I was going to be fine. No sweat. Because she's just yeah. that. She's that girl. She's a girl's yeah. girl and she's going to yeah. take care of you. And oh. I got there and all the women were so lovely and so wonderful. And, you know, they're so smart and they're so good at what they do. Yes. It's a lot. It's a very, very oh. difficult job. And yes. they have to take in and consume so much information in such a short amount of time. And then they're live on the air and have to have very strong opinions about things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with little to no time to really, you know. To even formulate, right? Yes, which says a lot about who they are uh, as people. So I was just honored to be amongst those women and to be invited to even fill in. And so I got to do that a couple of times. And then Marilyn Dennis, who, uh, you know, I mean, she's oh, Marilyn Dennis. Legendary. Uh, she's just, she's awesome, an icon. And to be able to be on her show in any capacity, I was part of a fashion show. It was just it was so nice where they, you know, opened the door and said, hey, would you like to come on to do this or that? We thought you'd be great for a Halloween special or, or whatever it might have been. So that was really nice. That was independent of me leaving and then going to the competition because they would never invite me back on. Right. Once right. I was, uh, you know, working for the competition, of course. And, yes. But while over at Rogers, I got a different experience where I got to work at City Line with Tracy oh, Moore. Oh, that's and, so great. That was that beautiful interview, of course, yes. that you did where you finally shared something very personal, which was your fertility journey. And and she, I just thought she also framed it beautifully. You look gorgeous on that show, by the way, in that blue dress and very tall. I never realized you were so tall yes. and uh, like a model. And you went on that show and you went on with our very own Pratty Sharma, Dr. Pratty Sharma, Create Fertility. And she was your doctor. So can you tell us about this? Because I think you were always sort of private about this. And what blows me away is that you had a really hard time, but no one knew it. Yeah. That smile was always there. That professionalism was always apparent. You didn't fall apart. You didn't burn up. You just did it until you decided, I want to share. Mm -hmm. And I did fall apart, but just behind the scenes, <laughs> you never saw it, but I, you know, I fell apart a lot because I'm human. Yes. But I think, you know, Tracy Moore was the perfect person to do the interview. And we had talked about who I wanted to talk with. And she was just, again, she is somebody who uplifts other women. And she's been yes. a constant in my career as that person who's just so positive. And yes. sweet. even though we worked for competitors, I would see her at events and she was so lovely. So I'm so glad it was her. And I knew she was yeah. going to handle my story with kid gloves because I think that's sort of the sensitivity you need when you talk about something so personal like fertility. Yeah, it was almost what, nine years of my life of mm. dealing with struggles of trying to build a family and wow. There would be times where I would go to the clinic on my break because I worked a morning show. I couldn't go in the morning. So mm. I would take a break. Uh, I would go draw blood and do all my the stuff I had to do for my fertility treatments. And then I would come back to work and then be on air and you know anchor the news and do my job. Mm. And there were times where I would go give blood and then a few hours later would find out that I'm not pregnant yet oh, again. God. And then I Brutal. would go back on air and pretend like that didn't just happen. Uh, and, you know, first time, second time, third time. Seven. We, yeah, seven rounds of IVF and 11 embryo transfers. So there's yeah. just that much disappointment where nothing was working. And, you know, privately, I was just uh, in a place of, I just didn't even know who I was anymore because all I've ever dreamed of was being a mom. And yeah 
having that taken away from me or feeling like that was out of my control or that was something that mm. maybe not be a part of my future in some way was just, it was too much to handle. Mm -hmm. um, I did take time off. I was in a very privileged position to be able to seek help and get some therapy to be able to work through some of those feelings. Cause I found when I went to therapy that I hadn't really, really dealt with it. Like, I think I had just learned with what I do for a living mm -hmm. to sort of push it aside, focus. I'm live. I don't have a choice just got to do my job and be a professional and all those things. And I think I got really good at doing that to the point where I probably wasn't dealing with mm -hmm. the emotions that came with this journey. And I finally, when I took the time and I started to unravel a lot of those feelings, that's yes. when I really started to do some healing. And I don't think I would have been ready mm -hmm. in those times to be able to talk about it. It's a shame because so many people wait till after they get their happy ending to talk about it, Yes, which is yes. what I did. And I didn't want to be that person because I think being in it in that moment, it's so important for other women who are also struggling to hear from someone who's struggling at the same time that they're not alone. Yes. But I also had to protect my own mental health and being in the public sphere means yes. a lot of questions and a lot of judgments. Yes. Uh, and I wasn't ready for all of that on top of what I was already dealing with emotionally. What do you think gave you, I know you're a fellow Pisces also. I have to just say that we have a <laughs> Pisces sisterhood happening that here. Must be it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think gave you the confidence and the resolve to finally say, okay, enough. I'm a public person, but I'm going to share this. And was this around the time that you met Prati, Dr. Prati Sharma, or was that around the time that you thought, I'm ready to come and share my story and help other women? Or how, how did that all evolve? I think uh, Dr. Sharma, who's a fantastic doctor, I know you know her, uh, your she husband is, works with her very closely. Yeah. Um, she's amazing. And she was really the one who opened my eyes to building a family in a non-traditional way. And, you know, we had both of our babies via two separate surrogates. And that was certainly not the way I envisioned building a family or having a future. And I think yeah. the more I was enlightened with information and talking about these things, the more it was normalized for me. And I thought, why isn't this normalized for everyone else? And mm -hmm. I want to be part of those conversations. I want to start to normalize these conversations so that for the next person who's yes. going through something so difficult, that is just yes. so complex because there's so many layers to it, that at least there's somebody in a public space who's already talked about it. Where they can be like, here, let me send you the link. <laughs> you know, let this be the yes. explanation of what it is that I'm going through yes. uh, so that it's easier to talk about. Because every time I talked about it, I felt better. And it wasn't this like secret and it didn't come with shame and it didn't come mm -hmm. with disappointment that, you know, I wasn't giving my family the grandkid they always wanted or yeah. the questions that I always got asked when people would see me. Oh, you, oh, you're married. Oh, you don't have any kids. Oh, you know, <sighs> thinking that. Maybe I just wanted a career and didn't want to have kids or whatever, making assumptions uh, about who I was as a person when it couldn't be farther from the truth. Yes. So I was just, I was ready to be done with all of that and just start telling my truth and sharing yeah. my story and helping other people, hopefully along the way.
what a relief that must have felt like when you did after you got over sort of that moment of, oh my God, am I really doing this? But what a relief. And you have a fascinating story because first of all, you have a very happy ending. You have two beautiful kids and you call them twiblings. And can you explain that extremely cool term? (laughs) So it's a, I guess it's a rare thing to have twiblings, but it's two children who are born in the same year, essentially. Our babies are three months apart and, you know, they're related, they're siblings. They're actually from the same embryo batch as well. Uh, So it's, it's lovely. So in many ways they are like twins and there's times where I'm even starting to notice now that they're really looking alike. And so they are twins, but they're not twins because there's a three month difference. They'll be in the yes. same grade. They're going to go to school together. Wow. Yeah. Love that. And I love so that. <laughs> I had to learn the hard way when I was on mat leave, I would go to the park with them and, you know, inevitably speak with other moms who are there with their kids and they would ask how old they are. And then I would tell them, oh, they're, you know, they're three months apart, but then they'd look at me, you know, like, how is that? <laughs> even possible. <laughs> but then I would have to tell them the story and then I would get into it. And then the next thing I know, I'd be going home with a stroller and I'm like, I just spilled my entire life story to a complete stranger yes. at the park. Why didn't I just say they're twins? <laughs> it's it would have been a lot easier. So that's true. That's where I'm going with now. I'm just going. It's easier. It's easier. I, I, I'm with you on that. You know, I was going to say, you can't do any of this without a very supportive partner. I'm sure you can, but it makes it much easier. And you have a very romantic fairy tale love story. When you were at CP24, you met your husband, Paul Patek, at a birthday party. And as you were walking in, your husband, now Paul, was leaving. And a friend of yours said at the top of their lives, you guys would make a great match. You were mortified and left. But later that night, Patek returned in search of you. And three months later, you're engaged. You had a fairy tale wedding with seven hundred people. And what I love is that you got married and then he had to go off to Scotland on a work situation two days after the wedding and suddenly realized, oh my God, how could this be possible? I want to be with my beautiful bride. So he (laughs) sent you a ticket to Paris. So wow. Well, how would you describe that whole whirlwind period? We'll find out what the whirlwind was like when we come back from this short commercial break, more with Finding Your Bliss and Pooja Honda when we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Hi, we are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And just before the break, I was asking you, Pooja, about how you met your husband, Paul. How would you describe that whole whirlwind romance? Oh, goodness. You know, it's one of those things where people say, you know, when you know, and I don't even know if I really know that to be true or if I believe any of that stuff. But what I do know is that it happened very quickly, but there was just this feeling of 
this has to be it because he just seems so right for me. We truly are best friends. We love hanging out with each other. And we're now 11 years in and that's still the case. So there was just, it it was a feeling of it feeling right and feeling like home. Mm. Do I know anything about forever? I do not. I don't claim to. I just knew that this was somebody I'd want to take that leap of faith with. And so, yes, we had uh, like wonderful stories, so many wonderful stories that led up to us meeting. We found out later that we actually met years ago and that he was responsible for naming my nephew. It's it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Basically, we were at a wedding and he was the MC. I didn't know him at the time. My sister was pregnant with her son and he was he kept naming the groom with the nickname and they loved the nickname so much that they named their child that nickname. Oh my god. Not really (laughs) focusing on who the MC was. The MC was my husband. Fast forward, (laughs) he meets my nephew and he goes, Oh, and they put two to get two together, and he's like, "I think I named you." And so, that's anyway, fabulous. I, that's I really fabulous. believe that it was meant to be. And you, and so I'm so happy for you about that, and I'm so happy for you about your children. And what I also love about you, Pooja, is that you're a very outward focused person. Like I know you do a lot of charity work, you do a lot of things for your community. But what I love is that after this whole thing that happened, and after you had your beautiful family, you could have just sort of rested on your laurels and said, "Okay, I'm busy enough doing the charity work, doing the speaking engagements, the keynotes, all the things that you do, being a mentor to so many young girls, so many things." But you didn't. You said, "You know what?" I want to be a woman who helps other women. And you decided to become involved in a wonderful organization, Modern Miracle, Modern Miracle Foundation, and help other women have children the way you had been gifted, you know, this beautiful thing of having you and your husband. And you could have just sort of said, okay, enough, I'm a really busy person. So I love that you're doing that. Can you tell us a little bit about Modern Miracle Foundation and why you're so passionate about it? Yes. I mean, I think that the one thing that when they look back at the struggle and as, as difficult as it was, and everybody's journey is different, I do know that there's privilege in my story and that I could afford to try as many times as I did, that I could yeah. afford to have not one, but two surrogates help me bring my babies into the world. And yes. who gets those opportunities? not everybody. So in having that privilege, I also had to recognize that that shouldn't be a barrier to entry. You know, that shouldn't be something that anybody on top of it being as difficult as it is to have to also worry about the finances of it, you know, to have a choice of do I keep my home or do I build a family should never be Mm -hmm. something somebody has to contemplate. So what I wanted to do and what I'm striving to do even now is continue to give back to that charity in particular, because they help finance fertility treatments for couples who can't afford it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to get to a place where the government and everybody's involved in making sure that this is a thing. Corporations are doing this for their employees as part of their benefit packages. We need all of that to happen. But in the meantime, if I'm going to get paid for an appearance or to help with a brand partnership or whatever that might be, for me, that's how I use that money as I get to give it back to, you know, families who are struggling. Love that. You're a good person. You really are a very good person. And also, as you were saying all this, I was hearing your motivational speaker part of you uh, (laughs) at play just now. And you do a lot of speaking engagements and motivational talks. And I love what you say about rejection, which is it's something you won't accept 
And when you get rejected, you never take no for an answer. What do you do? (laughs) So I just, I don't know what it is about my personality, but I really have this like, I'll show them kind of mentality. It's great. It's almost like, I don't know if I'm proving it to myself or if I'm proving it to them, but I like the challenge of somebody maybe, you know, not really thinking that I'm going to be capable or maybe there's something disarming about my personality that people just (laughs) sometimes dismiss me as, you know, not being a force. So when I get told no, which is a part of life and I fully expect to be told no, I make it my mission to say, okay, well, when that door doesn't open for you, my job is to kick it down. So I do all the things, which involves <laughs> the work. I do the work yes. to be able to kick down those doors. And, yeah. you know, I know that's right. a very idealistic, simple way of looking at complex things and issues. But I really do believe that over the years, I've proven it to myself time and time again, that if I do the work, and maybe that's yes. not my path, maybe it leads me to another path. But if I do the work and it's something I really want, I can make it happen. That's so fabulous. I also really admired you, Pooja, during COVID. And I think you've always just been a very well-adjusted person, even when you went through the hardest time with fertility. Did you adopt any other wellness tips during that time that you still utilize today during that whole COVID? I love self-care. I love that hashtag (sighs) self-care. Everything falls under the umbrella of self-care. So it's it's wonderful. It's okay. It kind of gave us permission to be like, listen, I'm going to be selfish in this moment because it's not selfish at all to take care of yourself. Um, But I really think it's so important to fill your cup with whatever that might be. If it's indulging with pizza and that fills your (laughs) cup, because I know that is pizza and pasta is the way of my heart. I Uh, know. Same. (laughs) Taroni. Okay. I I said it. (laughs) Uh, If that's what it is. Perfect. Whatever it might be, if it's reading, if it's taking time for yourself, I need an exorbitant amount of me time, which you don't really get as much anymore. But I try to find little bits here and there. The walking, being in nature really makes a difference. I did start working out finally. So, you know, those endorphins are probably doing something, I'm told. (laughs) I still hate it every time I have to do it, but maybe one day. So I think there's all of those things which help, but anxiety is a very real thing and it creeps up on me. It's one of those things that you really have to practice. And some people, you know, there's obviously a spectrum of people who experience anxiety. I would say that for me, I had a very mild sort of case of it, but enough for me to realize that I could very easily spiral where Mm -hmm. my thoughts start to become, but what if this and what if that? And, and, you know, usually happens right before bed, you know, you're you're trying to close your eyes. There's the four, seven, eight. So off the top, uh, at the beginning of every show, we do a little breathing off camera. And I read that you do the four, seven, eight breathing, which is fantastic. I've got to get back to it. I've actually, I haven't done it in a while, but when- It's so good. It's It's so so good. good. Even if you do three, like I say to people, do three of those breaths in the morning. And then in the middle of your day, like, if you're grocery shopping or you're in your car and you're at, you're at a light and you're just going, oh my God, I've got to get somewhere, do the breathing there and then do it before bed. A breathing, Beautiful. go figure, is such a great, amazing, wonderful the thing for, for so many things. Yes. And you do have to remind yourself that, look, life is difficult. There's so much happening right now in the world, as you know, and sometimes it feels like the world is on fire. Yes. Uh, how do you go through your everyday life? How do I imagine a future for my children with everything that's going on and not get overwhelmed and not feel anxious. Of course, I'm going to feel all those things. So it's so important to practice these things that again, fill your cup, fill your soul, take care of you. 
and it's not selfish. It's so important to do. And you mentor young people, which is so amazing. What advice would you give to a young person who's looking at you and saying, wow, I want to be Pooja Hunda one day, or maybe even an older person on this program who's going, I want to reinvent myself and reimagine and dreams have no expiry date. What would you say to them? What advice would you give them? Well, you shouldn't want to be anybody else other than you. That's first and foremost. Uh, You know, that's the most important thing. But I think it just, you know, I look back and, you know, you do that whole, what would older Pooja tell younger Pooja? And I was just this awkward, very insecure young woman. And I think older Pooja would would tell younger Pooja, first of all, I would give her a hug. Uh. (laughs) Just give her a hug and just say, it's going to be okay. And that in time, you are going to start to see all of the things that you have to offer that are wonderful and beautiful about you. And it's going to take some time, but you're going to get there. And the more you practice it, because it's also practice. You just, I don't think it comes naturally to us to be able to do those things. But with practice and with some self-love, you can get there. So true. Is there something that you still dream of doing that would be a dream gig for you? You're very young, so there's lots of time. (laughs) A dream gig for you in your career. Oh my goodness. Where do I start? I still have so many dreams. Is it okay to keep dreaming at 45? Yes, of course it is. Uh, So I would love to have a talk show, my own talk show. We live in such a different place now where media and the the platforms are so many options. It doesn't even have to be on traditional media the way we know it. You know, a talk show could really be anything. And there's no reason why I can't do that tomorrow if I wanted to, but I'd love to do that. I'd love to go back to acting. Uh, You know, how fun would that be to do something that I started off loving so much and be able to come back full circle? I would love to be able to do that. And then there's the another part of me that just wants to like leave it all behind and <laughs> travel a business or you yeah. know just do something or like own a restaurant and have coffee all day. <laughs> Will you come back one day and tell us about your part too? I would love to. I would love yes. that too. There's a question we ask everyone at the end of the show. So of course, we're going to ask you, what is bliss for Pooja Honda? Hmm. What is bliss? Okay, right now, and I'm at that life stage, right? Where... My babies are my everything and they're my bliss. I think about them nonstop all day, every day. I do work. So I'm at work. And even when I'm at work, I have the little monitor on and I'm (laughs) watching them sleep. You know, all they're doing is sleeping and I'm, I'm watching that as well. But it's amazing to me how almost every thought I have in the day is about them in some way, shape or form. But it's not like, oh, the kids. It's like, oh my goodness, I have these two beautiful smiling faces that are waiting for me when I get home every single day. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's everything. And by the way, guess what? It doesn't change. I have a 23 year old and a 26 year old and I feel exactly the same way. I'm so happy to hear that. I love that. (laughs) I want to thank you very much. This has been a delightful honor to have you on this show today. Really. It's been lovely. It's been blissful. Oh, thank you, Judy. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. And before you go anywhere, what is the best way for people to contact you, connect with you on social media? I know you have a beautiful website, social media. How do we find you? The best thing is to just follow me on Instagram at Pooja Honda TV. Each week we spotlight someone wonderful who is living their bliss and helping you to live yours. So if you're an author or an artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, a singer, songwriter, anyone who is found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at FYD at findingyourbliss.com. We also love to feature singer, songwriters, or musicians on the show. So if you're a singer, please reach out to us as well. 
Are there any guests or topics you'd like us to feature on Finding Your Bliss? Write to us. I'm also a life coach. If I can help you achieve your bliss, find your purpose and get connected to your bliss, reach out to me as well. I'm on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And of course, you can always find us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. I would like to thank our wonderful guest, Pooja Handa, for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Meg Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, producer Olivia Weatherall, audio engineer Juliana Yanuziello, senior editor Lauren Kaminsky, video editor Sierra Brown-Rodriguez, audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsors, the Create Fertility Center and Silvering. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.